This is Powie, and you're listening to Rappler on Kumu. We are rolling out a number of shows to stream regularly on Kumu, from Inside the Industry to Rappler Live Jam to TechRap's new gaming show, Level 1. You can watch all of these live if you follow us on our Kumu handle, Rappler.com. That's Rappler, D-O-T-C-O-M, spelled out. Now, what you're about to hear is a live recording of our latest Inside the Industry episode. So if you love the show and you want to see it live and maybe join in the conversation, we're on Kumu every other week. And of course, our edited podcasts always come out every Hustle Monday to help you start your week with a little motivation. Hope you enjoy. This is Hustle Inside the Industry, where we talk to professionals and find out how they got here, why they're doing what they do, and what it takes to do it. So I'm Tristan. And I'm Pawi, And we're from Rappler's Hustle team. Joining us today, we have a very active figure in the burgeoning Philippine startup community. In fact, uh, we first met him on Clubhouse and Kumu and all these other apps in specific groups with Filipino entrepreneurs. So... You know, colliding with each other in all these different circles, I think we can confidently say that this person is truly a connector of the Filipino startup scene. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Christopher Starr. Welcome, Christopher. Woo! Well, hey, Christopher. What about music? Um, Christopher, in a way, has been teased in the past episodes. He's been mentioned. Very, That's true. Very MCU. So anyway, so Christopher, we gave you quite an introduction. Pero like in your own words, can you um can you introduce yourself? Like tell us what you do. Well, aside from being famous, <laughs> you know, so I'm what famous. I do right yes. now, well, I'm a content creator. So I'm I'm a live streamer. I'm a podcaster. I also create videos on different platforms. But my day job is a CMO of uh, a global brand. And also, aside from that, I'm a mentor for startups under Kubo and also an admin of Startup PH, which is the largest community of startups and founders and investors uh, in the country. So there. Yeah, Startup PH has been, I remember first joining the Facebook group like almost 10 years ago by now. Yeah. It's like OG. It's it's pretty old. (laughs) Let's get into your story now. Uh, How did you get started in startups? Oh, that's an interesting question because I've been in digital space for maybe about 15 years or so. So I started when I was in college. Do the math. I'm not going to tell my age. <laughs> but I would consider my my startup journey starting from Lazada when I joined as a first employee. And I was a Facebook advertising uh, uh, associate that time. Since then, I've been only involved in, in startups. So I worked for different startups, usually the ones that are expanding in multiple markets across Southeast Asia. So basically the job after my first startup stint, uh, I became a VP for regional marketing. So I immediately um, launched multiple startups across uh, Southeast Asia and sometimes even beyond. Uh, And maybe four or five years ago when I came back to the Philippines after my stint in Malaysia, I started becoming active in the commun- in the local community scene, and I started organizing events, and that's how I met Kumu founders like Roland. Um, so I was tech in Asia's um, community lead, and then I was active at Kubo. I volunteered to become a mentor. Um, I was just really active because I started a digital marketing agency, and I was focused on startups. 
And so my strategy to get clients was to go out there and just give value first. And since then, I've never really turned my back against startups. So parang, I think what's really interesting about this story, it's that, okay, given uh, we know you've been part of many companies in the past, but like right now you're not part of like one startup and it's like you're working with many entrepreneurs launching their own business. So it's like you have you occupy a unique space within the startup scene. So can, can you tell us like what makes it exciting for you to be working with all this number of entrepreneurs, startup founders, startuppers? So since I've launched a lot of startups in the past, what I've noticed is that I've pretty much used the same playbook in launching them. There's obviously some tweaks here and there. I've, you know, I've launched apps like dating apps to e-commerce to pretty much name it, I've done it, like grocery app and stuff like that. So working with startup founders as a mentor for, for you know, the country's in, uh, incubator, um, how, I, how I benefit from it is actually, you know, I, I get to share my my knowledge but at the same time i still continuously um experience other problems that i have yet to experience myself so for me while they're learning from me i'm also learning a lot from them so i really enjoy doing that man like when you think startups you think risk right and it's just so interesting um how you say that you've you've found like uh somewhat of a, a consistency or at least a consistent strategy What's the best example of an effective startup business strategy to boost sales? In terms of boosting sales, I would assume at least this is B2C because um, one thing you need to understand is B2B is entirely different business altogether. Um, so majority of the ones I've handled in the past are B2C, so direct to consumers. So you're asking them to download an app or to buy a grocery from you. Um, one thing you need to understand, a big difference between startups than traditional businesses is that because it's so new, a big part of your job, especially ad on advertising, is to educate them. Um, because a lot of people don't know what it is, right? right? For example, if you were to advertise Kumu, people don't know what live streaming is yet. They don't know what virtual gifts are. So a big chunk of your job really is to educate your consumers. Why you? Why you know download your app? Uh, as compared to traditional businesses where you're differentiating yourself because everyone already is familiar with a restaurant or a laundry shop uh, or a mall. It's a it's all just about how different are you from the other mall or uh, another business, right? But for startups, it's it's always about um, educating the the market. So we got a clear sense of your expertise, obviously from the marketing world and just um, helping startup startups. Uh, but now, as you mentioned in your introduction. Uh, you're in this, uh, I wouldn't say new phase, but your current phase is also uh, your own personal brand as a content creator, right? Um, we know that you're quite ubiquitous in all these online spaces. We mentioned all the apps we've bumped into you on. I would call you a social networking butterfly. <laughs> uh, that's, that's just me. I, um, yeah. But um, why don't you comment more about it and and tell us, is that also a result of like the current situation of, of being locked down or was it something that you were already uh, quite active in before? Yeah, so as you guys know, I, I, I do marketing as, as my job. So part of my job is really to explore all these new channels. So in terms of becoming a content creator, that was kind of by accident because of COVID. Uh, everyone's locked down, it's nothing to do. 
I also lost my job last year, right? I lost my, well, I sold my business and I, I lost my jobs last year. Um, so there's nothing to do but to live stream and create content online. But in terms of discovering Kumu, discovering, you know, other platforms and applications, that's because it's part of my job to actually understand these new platforms. Uh, I do remember uh, tuning into one of your um, clubhouse rooms before you were talking about your experience uh, with that startup that you mentioned before, uh, which is a growing industry right now, which is cloud kitchens. I'm sure people are kind of like uh, curious mm-hmm. on the basics of it. And I remember you gave a really good uh, lecture, if you will, on like, the difference of the different kinds of cloud kitchens. I don't know. I just maybe you want to just like quickly explain that for people because so cloud kitchen there's also uh, some people call it virtual kitchen or ghost kitchen they're kind of the same but in reality there's so many different models and cloud kitchen is a perfect example of a startup um a lot of people think that startups are just any business that's starting that's not true so a startup is more of an idea that you're looking for a repeatable scalable business model so a cloud kitchen is such because it's not proven yet Despite that we think that you know there's delivery food deliveries obviously on the uptake right now, but still the, the business model is not proven. So what essentially it does is it um, I would say it maximizes uh, the efficiency of your operations. So how do you do that? Either by instead of renting uh, an expensive location, you might share the kitchen with someone else, or probably create a big kitchen where you rent it out to others. Uh, And at the same time, you can also create multiple virtual-only brands or virtual restaurants um, so that um, you can fully utilize your existing uh, inventory of ingredients and then create six, seven, 10, 70 brands if you want and and capture different kinds of customers. So um, it's a very interesting model that has been around for quite some time. However, it was really popularized during the lockdown and not just in the Philippines, but globally. Yeah, actually, just just to share, like I live in Publishon, so diba, you know how Publishon was like before. Na it's like it became a aside from the gimmick scene, it's like also a good place for good food because it's like tabi-tabing restaurants and many of these restaurants yeah. like they have their friends, their co-owners, ganyan. So I think like you I mentioned, uh, many are shifting to this model, and I think in in Publishon alone, like I've seen new brands um sprout. And then they're just actually um, offshoots of yeah. the other brands and they're basically cloud kitchen. So in a way, the food scene the food scene here in Publishon is still alive. It's in a mm-hmm. different form. Yeah. So anyway, going back to your story, sorry, because it's digress too much. So uh, Christopher, you said that being part of, of social networks, it's like part of your job. But I think I think what's unique with your story, it's like right now you're at, at the forefront, like you're you're not just someone studying or dabbling it. You're actually a content creator who's known for being on the platform. So, like, example here in Kumu. So, baka you can tell us, like, how did you integrate Kumu into your, like, daily activities, daily operations? And, like, as a person from the startup scene, how's, like, the startup presence within this platform? Oh, um, that's a really interesting question. How did I <laughs> integrate myself to the app? I, again, because of the pandemic, uh, was natural um but also before the pandemic i met a lot of amazing people on the platform and they became my friends we met up even before the lockdown so i kind of just continued um the relationship and even met a lot of amazing other people like i've uh 
my newest employee, for example, new team member uh, I met here on Kumu, became a good friend. We created a group. And then we even are, because uh, I also have a podcast. So he's also my co-host there, and now he's working for me. Um, I also have like a support group here. Uh, shout out to Pamilya Sarangola and also oh, yeah. other groups. Um, Today Avengers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been mentioned in the past. We're, we're collecting all of you. We're assembling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, but then aside from that, um, I don't know. I, it was just really natural for me. I'm not too sure because it was never my intention to like be at the forefront or I don't even think I'm like that famous or anything. Um, but I definitely utilize Kumu to, you know, uh, I've done streams to talk about how to start a business or uh, validating your idea and even did a pitching competition here on Kumu where about um, 10 startups um, have pitched and uh, we've selected three to, to win a scholarship um, wow. and I get a chance to get funding of up to $100,000. So, uh, and then that that group has uh, done that again recently. So I'm seeing more and more startup founders uh, and friends come over to Kumu and utilize the platform. The three of us are very much alike. Uh, Tristan and I actually originally hail from advertising, right? And um, and we're very much on, like, uh, right, Tristan, in, in Rappler, we're also like very behind the scenes. Mm. We're in the background. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and and yet we're also the ones here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of like um do you see that as like becoming do you think that there's just like an overall trend for for those who were once behind the scenes like us are all of a sudden starting to become uh, more visible and people actually uh audiences wanting to hear our stories what did you say to yeah them? yeah i think i think right now it, it, pretty much everyone is a creator you can easily create content anytime whether you go live or you know you record a video upload it on on different platforms take a picture um you know write a blog like anyone can create now it, there's no question to that i think um what's what's different now is that most of us spend more time on online and I think that also means that it gives us more time to create as compared to previously, we are more consumers. We consume other people's content. But now, because we spend so much time online, we can possibly just keep consuming. And that's why a lot of us are starting to create as well. Um, we mentioned earlier how active you are in the local scene and you yourself putting time into startups that have kind of like a regional or international appeal or reach so mm -hmm. can you quickly tell us about a little more about the international scene or at least the southeast asian scene um because i'm sure you're uh, you you have uh, a lot of insights on that how would you say from that perspective is the overall state of the philippine startup scene currently okay um well there are a lot of startups uh in southeast asia uh however the region is so diverse. Um, that's one. Like culturally, we're divided. Like you know, geographically, we're away from each other. Um, Language-wise, it's extremely difficult, uh, and it's it's all very different. Um, so some markets are considered more mature, uh, which means that you know they have a lot of funding. The founders has has a lot more experience. Um, there's also a lot of talent. 
Um, and some are very early stage or baby. Um, and and Philippines is kind of growing up, I would say. It's 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 quite it's quite not it's not there yet, but we're also like getting there. And I think if, if you, you know, said baby is, earlier, Christopher, what let's get specific. What is the the startup age in the human toddler ba- <laughs> yeah to- toddler, toddler. Ba like are we terrible Bago twos? <laughs> yeah so so philippines is definitely not a baby anymore not okay. a toddler um awesome. so you know it, it means that we're, we're standing up on our own feet uh we are somewhat walking but we're not running yet uh unlike other countries like singapore um, but I think it's really exciting. We, I'm expecting within the next three to five years, we'll start seeing more and more startups. Nice. And you know, um, startups like Kumu is actually very encouraging for for also the other startup founders because we get to see that there's a lot of interest uh, towards Filipino startups now as compared to before, where a lot of founders would even incorporate outside of the Philippines to just try to attract investment. Yeah. But now, you know, I've heard stories of Kumu um, having to need to decline other investors uh, because they're oversubscribed. So that already shows that there's a lot of interest in, in the Filipino startups uh, these days compared to a few years back. So basically, we're still there in going bullet stage. We can invest in it. We can invest in it. No, no, no. Exactly. Maybe, like, what's your theory behind that like what's the wider like socioeconomic reason why we were a little stunted before and people wanting to go more international did you think that it was discouraged you know like uh, why and what's the difference between then and now oh my god it's it's a lot we'll probably have to talk for like hours to discuss everything because it's a lot of factors and number one um on the government side in terms of policy and all that there's a lot of things that have changed over the last five years alone um you know like ease of doing business is super super important especially when you're looking into getting um uh foreign investments they definitely need to understand um the structure and it should be easy and also of course politically uh having a a very stable political uh system is important because you're investing in a startup and then suddenly the next day they're in a war or something you don't want that um and then Next is talent. Uh, I think in terms of talent, that's where we truly shine. Um, because in any startup that you can think of that are big names, there's always going to be a Filipino somewhere there, like an engineer or marketer. Or... Was that woman's yeah. name? Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Her. Um, Melanie always... Perkins. There's a lot of uh, founders now um, that are Filipinos but are not necessarily considered Filipino startups. But um, I think in terms of talent, there's no doubt with that. However, I think in the past, a lot of these talents would prefer to go overseas and work for a startup, let's say in Singapore, because the pay is higher. Now that's changing because of the remote setup. You know, a lot of these startups are realizing that I'm okay to pay the same amount, but I don't need this person to move to Singapore, but I'll pay him um, the same amount anyway. Um, and then aside from that, investors, I think, are now slowly... I think the investors have always been interested in the Philippines, especially because we are the second largest population in, in the region. And we're English speakers, uh, which means that it's easier for, for them to just bring in a concept from the States, for example, and then plug and play to the Philippines compared to, let's say, Indonesia or, 
or uh, Thailand where they need to translate and everything. And also we're very westernized. So it's even easier uh, for them, but they did not invest because again, po political reasons, you know, policies, um, it's much diff difficult before as compared now. Uh, but now both public and private sectors are, are helping each other. Even the government is very open in, in uh, helping startups. So my mentorship is actually under, uh, under the government. Wow, which uh, which uh, department? Um, so it's a public-private partnership between DTI, DOST, and um, DICT, and then with Idea Space. So as you can see, that's a really interesting concept as well to hear a, a public-private partnership because usually we hear that for infrastructure uh, projects, but now ah, even true. for our national incubator called Kubo, or spelled as QBO. Um, is actually powered by the government and uh, private sector. Parang I want to unpack the, um, what you said. Because you, your answer, Christopher, it's very loaded, right? It's like on one part you're seeing that um, it's it's gonna be the effect of. It's also a, in a way it's a byproduct of our current situation where right now it's not really location based. Because the future of work has been changed, and then on the other you have the questions that in of like it, th this scene this startup scene this it doesn't exist in a vacuum and of course there are many factors and one you said is government support because the even though if you build high the, the foundation the infrastructure which of course the country provides that's also something to really consider what are your other forecasts for the startup scene in the next uh, few years and maybe how do you plan on getting involved okay, as you said right now you're not really connected to one startup but you're a mentor so how do you see your role also evolving in the next years very interesting i actually haven't thought about that yet in terms of my role i feel like I've al i'll always be um one of the cheerleaders of filipino startups um helping them connect to different people that they need to connect to. So I'm usually the go-to guy if, if you need someone in other countries and I'll be more than happy to connect to you to them or even in, in the Philippines if you need some help to like find the right um, person to hire or you know investors, I'd be more than happy to connect you to them. I think that's, that's gonna continue. One very interesting conversation right now in the local startup scene is that everyone's trying to guess the, the next or the first um, unicorn. I'm not sure if you guys know what the unicorn is. Yes. Um, basically, a startup has a, a billion dollar valuation. And um, everyone's guessing who, who who it will be. And and Kumu is one of those Yeah, I candidates. was going to be like, hmm, I wonder. <laughs> but, but I think it's going to be a, a, in the media. It could be in, in fintech. These, these are the um, because I think media startup. <laughs> yeah, Grappler might be also a uh, you know a candidate if it starts you know uh, innovating further because definitely Rappler is one of the innovators in this space. Okay, Christopher, you're hired. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This this is this is amazing. You know, it's uh, it's it's highly encouraging uh, to hear you say these things. And um, back to your personal journey. Uh, how about for you, besides this mentorship and whatnot, um, what's next for you? Oh, I'm just starting myself again now. Um, so one is that aside from my day job as a CMO of a global brand, um, I'm really enjoying my time as a content creator, as a live streamer here on Kumu, 
um, and creating content in other platforms. So I'm, I'm definitely going to continue doing that. Uh, on top of it, I'm not sure yet whether I'm going to start my own again anytime soon. Um, but I'll definitely start. It's just a question of timing. Uh, I think this year, until probably the pandemic is over, I don't see myself building something of my own for now. Can you give tips specifically for aspiring content creators? Oh, just create and consistently create. Because um, a lot of creators, they create once and then they get discouraged when they don't get any views or shares or they live stream and they don't talk to anyone and they, they, get, they get discouraged. Just consistently create. Um, you don't build an empire overnight. Uh, and a lot of people that you think got lucky or got famous overnight, you're actually wrong. A lot of them have started way, way before. And of course, there are some people who get lucky, you know, tried it once and become popular. But that's very rare and you can expect to be like that. So if you want to be serious in content creation, just create content and be consistent. Because the last thing you want to do is create content for that like straight five days. And after that, you'll be like, um, now that's like, I'll just stop. Uh, don't do that. Just keep keep going. You know how Christopher you mentioned earlier. Now you're seeing cloud kitchens. How is the face of business in startups um, changing, or like how do you see them establishing in unique ways? I don't know in the future, in the coming years. Yeah. So in in terms of ideas, um, I think um, timing is is also very important um, because you know, like for example, Kumu blowing up uh, obviously it, it would have also eventually reached this you know size but probably it would have taken them years compared to just months because of the pandemic so timing is also important however the real success secret to any business or startup isn't just the opportunities you're willing to grab but the ones who are grabbing those opportunities because even if kumu got lucky because the pandemic happened even that sounds bad, <laughs> but you know it, it wouldn't have happened if the founders and the management didn't take advantage of the situation and you know really push hard and and even if things are not ready and things are falling apart, you know just keep going. I think that's one thing I learned myself um, to myself recently is that um, resiliency is extremely extremely important as a founder. So it's less on the idea because. You can always change and pivot some of these ideas. Like Kumo actually did not start as a live streaming app. I'm not sure if people actually yeah. know that. It started as a chat app, right? It's just a competitor of all these messaging apps. Um, so ideas are cheap. You can always think of an idea. But you know, again, it's just about taking advantage or grabbing opportunities. And that's what the founders did. They they saw a, an opportunity elsewhere and they pivoted and and then they saw another, the next uh, opportunity, and they grab on it again. So I think less on the idea. Don't focus too much on how can I build the next Kumu, right? It's it's more of what do I have? Like how can I improve myself so that I become ready uh, as a founder? And same thing goes for if you're you're interested to be a content creator, um, you should focus more on yourself because once the opportunity comes, you need to be ready. But then if you're waiting for that opportunity to come. That you're not creating content, then there's that's pointless. So speaking of creative process, yeah. so what's yours when thinking of businesses, etc., creating content? So um, when it comes to content, and um, so I have I've developed this framework called 10 C's of marketing, but 
eventually I realized it's applicable for like a business altogether. Um, but I'll, I'll just share a few of it. So number one is context. It's important to understand the context. So I usually do a quick, you know, pest analysis or pestle analysis, if you're familiar with that. So it's understanding what's out there, right? Uh, including your competitors. Uh, but most importantly, I guess, is obsessing on your customers or, or your audience if you're a content creator. It's really understanding who's watching, who's listening, who you're serving, and obsessing to that rather than obsessing on how do, be, how do I become rich, how do I get funding, or how do I you know, find the next big thing, or how do I become a unicorn. Instead of obsessing over those, uh, you should probably obsess on your customers. And by obsessing, I mean like, you know, um, stalking them or something. Like really understanding who they are and like what makes them happy, what makes them sad, um, and and what what Just are like they looking DM for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like talking to potential customers or your yeah, audience. You like do I that. do that a lot. Yeah. I do that a lot now. I ask people like, what's your what's your feedback about my show? Like what's what's your feedback about my startup? Uh, try this out and let me know what you think. Um, I think a lot of founders, that's also a common advice I give them. And I, I'm shocked when they're like, oh, things are not working. And then I'm like, have you actually asked your customers what's going on? And they're like, I haven't asked them. So like, why not ask them? Because I can't tell you I'm not your customer, but they are. So they probably can give you a better answer as to why they're not clicking your ad, why they're not buying from you, why they're not sharing your live stream. You should ask them, like, what's why are they not doing it? I can, you know, from from that example you just painted, I can also tell like what kind of friend you are in your in your friend in your social circles. You know, when people have problems like why didn't you just do that whatever? But but, but that's the, real talk lang yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that's the me. sassiness <laughs> in your voice. <laughs> that's that's true though. Oh my god, don't expose yeah. me. No 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 but no no but I, I love it and I think I think the takeaway uh just to just to wrap up uh, at least uh, this interview is kind of the idea that at the end of the day, this is all just a conversation, right? Um, and like business and like the social aspect of business is, uh, you know, the relationship between uh, the business owner and the customer or in, in the case of a B2B, a business owner and, and yeah, another business, business owner who's there, their customer. Yeah. Um, but with that, uh, Christopher, thanks so much for all the, all the wisdom we're going to move on now, as we always do, to our play of the week. Now, we talked a lot about work. Now it's time to talk about play. Any fun activities or recommendations for our listeners to unwind from the busyness of business? Christopher, start us up. Get a massage. I just had one today. Like, um, they're now open. So let's take advantage of it. It's, it's a great way to just relax and, you know, and, and just have that alone time. Um, get a massage like it, it would change your life <laughs> what, what kind of massage what, what kind of like what's your style of massages um i had swedish earlier in the back massage because my my back was aching for a few weeks but i'm not old guys i'm not old <laughs> <laughs> you seem fine you seem fine Th- thanks for uh hopping on board despite a back ache we we know how it how <laughs> How hassle does it? What about you, Tristan? What's your play of the week? This weekend, I actually got to watch a show which I wanted to to binge. So I saw Mirror of East Town. So basically, the way I describe it, it's true detective, but small town, and everyone knows knows each other. Ooh. So 
Parang when you think about it, ah, oh, prestige piece, uh, magiging ano to, slow burn, mahirap to watch. Pero it's actually quite funny. <laughs> it's actually quite um easy to watch. Kasi it's basically seeing a person try to investigate a crime in a place where the personal and the professional, um they're inherently bur- inherently blurred. Kasi like, okay, magkakalala sila since childhood. So uh, an old lady will, will call her kasi... I want to inv- I want you to investigate something like that. So um and then it's hard to actually um pull up suspects because some of this like the parents kabatchong high school. So you know like how the personal cool. and the professional it's so hard to um pull them apart when you're working in a small town that you grew up in. So it's currently on its fifth episode. So it has two more episodes before it wraps up. So that well, what's it on? So again that's it on? it's on HBO Go on HBO basically. So it's called Mayor of East Town. I was gonna say Tristan, that go. reminds the way you describe it also reminds me a bit of Sharp Objects, which was another ah uh, uh, HBO show. Yeah, pero yon parang gothic, diba? It's like a southern gothic. This one, it's really more small town mystery, true detective, but lighter. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so basically yeah. my kind of thing. Thanks, thanks for the record. Yeah. Um. Okay. So my play of the week is also something you can watch. Um. It is the NBA playoffs. Um, I am just as I'm just your average uh, basketball fan, um, but specifically uh, this season and this year is is pretty exciting for me because both my teams uh, have exciting playoff stories. So in the East Coast, we got the Knicks. Go Knicks! Go New York Knicks! <laughs> we finally made it. Um, which which. It's just been humorous over. I don't know how long it's been since since we've been in the playoffs, but it's gotten to the uh, Knicks not having championships has gotten to the point that even movies like Pixar's Soul are like making jokes about it. So um, so that's in the East Coast and in the West Coast, which is very interesting, happening tomorrow um, as of uh, this recording is the first play-in game. So so basically they did things differently uh, this season where. Uh, there's basically a last chance for teams to make it to the to those last spots in the playoffs, and if someone uh, fell asleep on a, a rock for the past year and you told them what is going on tomorrow, which was basically the Lakers are 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 playing the Warriors uh, for for like one of those last spots, you'd be like, "What? LeBron and Steph Curry are like." You know, scrambling for uh, for breadcrumbs, but anyway, it should be exciting. It should be even just as exciting as any final. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped. Um, I'm sure everyone already watching and listening to this is already aware of it. But but yeah, um, it just uh, it's sports and a bit of drama at the same time. So literal play, no play of the week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christopher Starr, uh, last plugs. How can people? Uh, check you out, check out your work and your programs, let our audience know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely here on Kumu. So if you guys want to follow me, please do follow me here on Kumu and also on all social media accounts. Just search Christopher Starr. Um, it's, I'm everywhere. <laughs> so you'll find me there. And I also have a podcast if you guys want to check it out. It's yes, called Under it. the Influence. Um, it's on Spotify and other podcast um, platforms. Do follow it. Uh, it's all about content creators and the business of social media. So whether you're a brand um, trying to understand how content creators work and or you are an aspiring content creator or social media influencer that's just starting, um, you could probably learn from me, Addy Cuts and um, Jamie Randa. 
So there. Awesome. What's the name again? What's the name again, Christopher? Just one last time. What's the name of your podcast? So we can plug it in. Under the influence. Got it. There we go. Under the influence. All right. So thanks so much, Christopher. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for inviting me. And thank you out there for listening. As always, if you haven't already, please stay tuned to Hustle Inside the Industry on all podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple, where you can leave us a rating. And also, you can catch us on Kumu every other week by following Rappler.com, Rappler, D-O-T-C-O-M. Most of all, don't forget to hit that follow button. You say that the DOJ has a very clear concept of what a terrorist is, but it was also the DOJ who filed the prescription case. Well, I would like to think that that, would, that is a real, you know, that's a real lesson. Is there a risk, though, that we will never know the state of his health ever again? We can end up that way, in the same way that uh, the Supreme Court has rendered several constitutional provisions in it. How hopeful are you that this Supreme Court, under this administration, will exhibit a proactive attitude towards protecting human rights? What is before us is a Supreme Court that has overwhelmingly, for a few exceptions, one or two, in favor or on the side of the state power. A law that is not understood is a law that is easy to weaponize. I am Lian Buan, Rappler's justice reporter. Listen to Law of the Terta Land podcast. And together with the leading lawyers of the country, let's unpack the pressing legal issues and the Duterte government.